0: Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com or visit our Patreon page for over 30 more miscarriage stories as well as exclusive content. Check it out at patreon.com/miscarriage. That's p a t r e o n.com/miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Thank you for tuning in. I have Shantae with me here today, who is going to share her story of a second trimester loss, as well as the struggle that comes from being a mom and wife after a loss and that aloneness that so many of us feel. Shantae, thank you for joining me today.
1: You're welcome.
0: So, take us to the beginning of this journey for you.
1: Okay. So, um, I found out that I was pregnant last year in July and um, it was planned so we were very excited and um, I had a pretty normal pregnancy with my daughter so I expected pretty much the same thing and so I kind of knew the ropes already so I didn't have much questions when I would go to the doctor and um, I just thought it would be normal. Well um, when I was 15 weeks we decided to go on a week vacation in Washington DC and we did a lot of Visiting the museums and the zoo, so I did a lot of walking. So when we got home that Sunday, um, I was really tired, but ready to get back to work. And by then, I was sixteen weeks. So that Sunday started off pretty normal. Um, my best friend was actually coming into town, so we went to church with her and her family, and me and my husband decided to make dinner for her. And so it was a great day. And then. They left around 7 p.m. And at that time, I realized I needed to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and I noticed that I started to feel something come out. And I knew that I just knew that it wasn't supposed to be happening. And so I immediately called my husband and told him that I thought that the amniotic sac was coming out and that I just knew that we were losing our baby. And so um, he immediately called 911 and they came and they pretty much confirmed it for me that it was amniotic sac, but they couldn't see anything. So they rushed me to the hospital. I spent what felt like eternity in the emergency room waiting on an OBGYN to come and check me. I had two ultrasounds, um, one where they couldn't see the baby, but the second one they could, but they saw that the baby was surrounded by blood. And at this point, I didn't know the sex of the baby because I was only 16 weeks and so, um, in, like I said before, I was using the bathroom. So at this point I'm still holding it. Cause in the middle of using it, I stopped to stop whatever was coming out from coming out. So I'm still holding it. And at this point they're like, you know, whatever happens happens. So if you need to use bathroom, go ahead and use the bathroom. But I guess deep down inside, I wanted to do whatever I can to keep from whatever was happening from progressing. And so, um, The emergency room doctor came a little while later and pretty much told me that I was miscarrying and um, that there is nothing that I could do to prevent this and that there's nothing they can do to stop it. And essentially, she just told me that stuff happens, um, which wasn't very comforting to me or my husband. No, that's not very helpful. (laughs) No, not at all. And she actually didn't say stuff. That's the like PG version of it but um that's what we'll say
0: yeah so were you having cramping at this point no i was
1: completely caught off guard wow completely caught off guard so it it was a huge huge surprise
0: and had you had a scan earlier like a 12 week or something
1: um i had had two appointments so far i think my first one was around Eight or nine weeks, and then the second one was probably around uh, 12 or 13 weeks.
0: And was there an ultrasound at any of those?
1: No, because I was being seen at the birth center. Yep. And um, I had pretty much opted out of anything extra. So, yeah. My, my first scan was going to be the anatomy scan. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, we never actually got to see the baby.
0: So, the lovely comments from the <laughs> ER doctor, and then what? Yeah. So after that, finally,
1: um, they decide to admit me to the women's floor um, and not the labor and delivery floor because I wasn't 20 weeks. And so um, I get up to women's and they pretty much tell me that I'm going to have the baby there and I'm going to have to go through essentially a normal delivery because I was kind of wondering, like, what's next? And so um, the OBGYN checked me. And I was 10 centimeters dilated. And up until this point, I probably maybe had two contractions that were very, very mild. So I was kind of surprised to hear that also. So at that point, um, she gave me the option to either go ahead and deliver the baby now or to give it some time. So me and my husband opted to wait a little bit so that we could kind of make peace with what was really happening um, And we love to sing songs, so we decided to sing um, to kind of calm our nerves for a little bit. And then we called the doctor back in and said that we were ready. And so in about two or three pushes, I pushed the baby out and they asked if I wanted to hold it. And we said yes. And then we realized that it was a boy. And so we named him Kyle. And um, that was that And so after that, um, you know, the next thing that comes out is a placenta. So we thought that it was going to come out naturally since everything was kind of progressing normally, I guess, for um, a delivery, if you will. But um, after about 45 minutes or so, they realized that I was bleeding a little bit more than than what they were comfortable with. And so they decided that I needed a DNC. So I went into surgery and had the DNC and then I think this is all happening in the course of hours. So I think by now it's like 6am and I went in at probably 8pm the day before. And so I come out of surgery and I'm back on the women's floor. And um, they said the surgery went well. Of course, I didn't feel anything. They put me to sleep. Um, And then after that, Me and my husband kind of rested a bit. And then in that morning, we realized that before we could leave, we had to make funeral arrangements. (laughs) So, or we had two choices. We could let the hospital take care of our son and I guess do whatever they do, or we could choose to take him. But if we wanted to take him, we had to make arrangements. And so, of course, you know, we opted that we wanted to take him. And so um, now I'm Googling, you know, funeral homes because I've never had to look up funeral homes or anything of that nature before. And so um, I eventually called on the assistance of my stepmom and she found a great funeral home that could cremate him and pick him up for us. And so that was taking care of my mom and my uncle they um, told us to just pick out an urn and you know they would pay for it so our family was really supportive in that way and that we didn't have to worry about too many of the big decisions or we didn't have to worry about like money being an option or an issue when it comes to when it came to choosing his urn and so um, we stayed in the hospital for a few more hours to just kind of monitor how I was doing and once they saw that I was okay They brought him in for us to say goodbye to him. And I think that's kind of when it finally hit. Well, it finally hit me. My husband, I can't really speak for him, but that's when it finally hit me that, you know, he was no longer in my body. He was no longer living and that we were saying goodbye to him. And so um, we decided to send you Are my sunshine and um, that's how we said goodbye.
0: So um, Yeah. And you said that's when the emotions really started to come. Yeah. Yeah, because up until then, like,
1: so this is just normally how I respond to things. At first, I'm really emotional. And then there comes a point where I know I have to like turn the emotions off and kind of be as level headed as I can be so that I can make proper decisions. And so I had kind of been in that decision-making mode for hours, you know, with deciding on, you know, should I get the DNC? Like they they did offer for me to take Cytotech to get the placenta out, which I did, but that didn't work. So I was going through contractions that were really painful. um, And I just didn't have time to be sad, you know. Um, But once we finally got to see him, and you know said our goodbyes and you know all the feelings of you know my husband wanted a son because we have a daughter all those feelings started to come in feelings of like guilt and I felt like I kind of failed my husband and failed my daughter because she was so excited to be a big sister all those feelings just started to flood in oh
0: my gosh that's so much yeah so much to process so what was this like when you got home So when I got
1: home, um, fortunately, my best friend who was in town visiting, she stayed and she and my stepmom cleaned the whole house. And so we came home to a clean home. There was like essentially no evidence of what had happened, which is something that I'm really grateful for, um, because it kind of would have been very difficult to come back and clean up whatever mess was left. Um, And I kind of just laid in bed. We got this teddy bear. From a social worker from the hospital that um, a couple who's lost twins, they donate these blue teddy bears. And so I kind of snuggled the teddy bear and laid in my bed and cried with my husband. And um, at that same time, we also decided to just be honest with our daughter and tell her what happened. Because we had kind of talked in the hospital about how we were going to tell her if we were going to like be I guess honest or how honest we could be with her being a
0: three-year-old
1: but we decided to just let her know that you know Kyle was in mommy's belly and he's no longer there and now he lives in heaven with God and that there's nothing that anyone did Kyle wasn't bad but you know God decided that he wanted him in heaven with him and she she was sad but you know I think she's probably the strongest out of the three of us
0: wow and how was this for your husband um my husband's a pretty
1: (laughs) level-headed guy so i guess seeing him so emotional was really hard for me um it's very emotional you know um this was a pain that he never felt for not only were we losing a child but we were losing his first son and so um he he took it pretty hard but one thing that we both decided to do was to go to counseling because um we didn't want we didn't want these feelings to spiral out of control and to end up in a place where we weren't functioning and i didn't know if that's a place that we could even go but i didn't even want to test it so we decided to sign up for couples counseling And we started going to counseling and that definitely helped us to identify our feelings and helped us to process them better.
0: And even to be able to say and verbalize what the feelings are. That's wonderful that you took that step and went. Cause it's not a, that's another thing that's not always talked about the importance of talking to a professional afterwards.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I know at first, like, I didn't think, like, maybe it was necessary, but after, like, the first week of me wanting to just lay on the floor for a whole week, I realized, like, I still have to be a mom to my daughter that's here, and so I needed to do whatever I needed to do to get better so that I could still be, you know, an an engaged and active mom to her.
0: Good for you. Wow. You're so strong. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to share with us? Um, I think
1: if there's one thing that I've taken away or have been trying to take away from this is that it's not our fault and that I don't have to hold on to any guilt. And if, you know, for any other mom who's gone through it, you don't have to hold on to any guilt. Like there's nothing you could have done to prepare, like to prevent this, excuse me, to keep this from happening. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And that's something I still have to tell myself daily that it's not my fault.
0: I think that's the perfect thing to end on because it's so true.
1: Yes. It's not
0: your fault. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Interested in hearing more miscarriage stories? We have over 30 more episodes on Patreon check it out at patreon.com/miscarriage that's p a t r e o n.com/miscarriage it's also linked in the details below stay connected find us on instagram at managing.miscarriage on facebook at miscarriage nonprofit and don't forget to download our free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating so more women can find us. Also, listen to exclusive episodes directly on the Patreon app.